First John chapter 5. So tonight, I want to talk about God. God hears, okay? And we're going to kind of, we'll start with a, a verse from the New Testament out of 1 John chapter 5, but then we're going to go back into the Old Testament and just have a look at a few examples about God hearing. You know, what, um, the title, if you want a title, what did God hear? You know, God hears lots of things. <laughs> I'd hate to hear what the Lord hears sometimes, okay? Really. It's bad enough what we hear, let alone what he hears and what he sees. Only God could cope with what he sees and what he hears. You know, if we see a snippet of news or something on the television or something that comes in on, you know, our phone or something, we can hardly deal with that. Okay, but imagine what God deals with and only he can. So what did God hear? You know, many times in the Old Testament, there are things mentioned to establish something, a truth or a practice or a policy of God. Okay, it's not always repeated over and over and over. Like in the, New Te- in the Old Testament, for example, it's very detailed about worship. Okay about the Mosaic Covenant worship style and then the Davidic Covenant of worship, the New Testament style that we now um, engage in. But in the New Testament, there's not a lot of mention of worship because it's already an established fact, okay? Same with tithes and offerings. Giving to the Lord was an established fact. You don't see a lot of it in the New Testament. Some people argue these things, but it's already an established fact in the Old Testament. <coughs> One thing that was established in the Old Testament was that God hears his people. He's very aware of his people and he hears them, okay? It's established fact, the nature of the character of God, the holiness of God, the faithfulness, the justice, the fairness, the righteousness of God. These are all established in the Old Testament and then we just take it for granted in the New it's not mentioned many, many, many times because we actually know it, okay? We know it. We know how God feels about things. We know the will and the ways of God because when you read the Old Testament, and some people don't like the Old Testament. I don't know why. They don't like the Old Testament because they think it's the mean God, the judge. And then they think the New Testament is the, the loving father. But God established the fact in the Old Testament that he was a loving father way back then. And he extended grace way back before the so-called covenant of grace. He extended grace over and over and over. He sent judges to deliver his people on many occasions. He sent prophets to speak to them, to bring them back on track. That's grace. That's grace. And the fact that they are still continuing against all the odds... That's the grace of God. He took the smallest, the least, the most despised group of people, basically, and he made something great of them. And they still are and they always will be. And that's the land that he's coming back to. Now, how awesome is God? How awesome is our God? That's an established fact. You know, it's also um, established in the Old Testament, like I said, that he is a relational God. Even though there was times when the people would not go up to the mountain and they'd say, Moses, you go. And they'd send all the men of God to go, you go, you go. We're too scared. God was still a communicator. He was a communicator and he was a personal God. 
He wouldn't just come to the greats like Moses or Samuel or David. He would come to people you don't even know their names. He says, and the word of the Lord came to a certain man or a certain woman. And so God is no respecter of persons. So that was established. So let's have a look in 1 John chapter 5. This is an established fact, okay? And this is out of the New Testament, one of the last books. John says this, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now that's wonderful. That's a great scripture. It's a wonderful promise. This is confidence that we can have, that when we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, I don't know about you, but there's times when I don't know exactly what the will of God is. We know the overall will of God, but then there's things in our individual lives. We don't know the will of God. You know, should I buy this house? Should I buy that house? Should I marry this one? Should I marry that one? You know, there's things in our individual lives we don't exactly know the will of God. Okay? So if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So does that mean if we don't know his will, he won't hear us? Huh? If we don't know his will, does that mean he doesn't hear us? No. And that's what I want to encourage us with today because, I don't know, if you are a minister or you counsel people or you deal with people just on a friendship basis, sometimes they go... I don't know the direction for my life. I don't know the will of God for this. Can you pray for me? Can you help me? And they don't know the will of God. And they don't know if God is going to hear them. I tell you, God will hear regardless. So let's go into a story. And I'm just going to take verses out here because I've got a few. I'm trying to make a point to encourage us that God does hear even when we don't know his will. So in Genesis chapter 21, there's a story about um, Abraham, or Abram, Abram, and he and his wife could have no children. So long story short, the maid is the one who has the child. And then the child grows up to be about 14 years old, and then he begins to give problems to the, uh, the other child, which is the child of Abraham and Isaac. Uh, Abraham and Sarah, in fact, Isaac. Okay, so this child is giving the other child a hard time, and the Lord is wanting them to be separated for His purposes. And so God hears the voice of this child, the mother and child. Hagar, the mother, the Egyptian handmaiden, has been sent out of the camp with her young son. Okay. Things look grim. God hears the voice of the lad. Mum's over there crying under the bush. And the boy is over here. It just says God heard the voice of the lad. Doesn't say he was praying. Doesn't say he was crying. It doesn't say anything. It just says God heard the voice of the lad. Then the angel of the Lord called to Hagar, the mum, out of heaven. And said to her, what ails you, Hagar? In other words, why are you crying? What's wrong, lady? 
Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Still, we don't know what he said. We don't know that communication between that boy and God, but there was something, something that attracted the attention of God because God heard that boy's voice. Arise, lift up the lad, hold him with your hand, for I will make him a great nation. Wow, that's awesome. Basically, the angel of the Lord here is saying, it's okay, mum, it's okay, your boy's going to be fine. He's not going to die, and neither are you. There's a journey that you're going to go on. It's not the one you thought, but God is with them. <laughs> Amazing. I won't go into all the ramifications of that, but the point is that God heard the voice of the child. We don't know if that child <coughs> believed in God or was hoping there was a God. We don't know all the details of it. We just know that God heard his voice. The mum wasn't crying and wasn't praying, she was crying. But God answered her on behalf of her son and said, Mum, the boy's going to be okay. So amazing. God speaks individually. He speaks to individuals. And we may not be in a good place with the Lord at times, but he heard that cry. You know, your child can be praying for you. Your grandchild can be praying for you when you're crying in the corner. <laughs> Who knows what the communication between that child and God is, and God hears. You know, sometimes we think, oh, there's great anointed people. But, you know, just to cry of a child, God will hear. God will hear. Okay, the next example I want to give you is in Exodus chapter 2. So we're going from hearing an individual, a young child, possibly a non-believer, just hoping that God really did exist. We don't know if his father Abraham taught him. We don't know. There's no details of that. But God heard. In Exodus chapter 2, now we know that in the, in the process of time that the children of Israel, as a group, as a corporate group, they were taken into captivity by the Egyptians. And they were there for about 400 years um, in, in uh, great bondage. Then it says, now, and it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. So one of the pharaohs died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage. So things had just got worse and worse and worse. And they cried out and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. Okay? Sometimes we're told you must pray and you must pray in faith. Sometimes we actually pray in fear. Yeah, we do. Sometimes we pray in fear. Sometimes we pray in disappointment. Sometimes we pray when we're discouraged and when we're distressed. And these people are deeply distressed and they're groaning. They're groaning to the Lord. And then their cry came up to the Lord. Sometimes the prayer is this. I don't know how much more I can handle. Come on, God, enough is enough. You know, that's a groan to the Lord. That's a cry to the Lord. And God heard their groaning. It doesn't say he heard all their wonderful faith-filled prayers. It said he heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. Now, did God forget? No. 
It was just highlighted. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God acknowledged them. He acknowledged them. And this is what he said in, verse, in chapter 3. I heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. I know their sorrows. He didn't say, I understand, or yeah, I was observing. He said, I know their sorrows. You know, he was sorrowful, right in the book of Genesis, when he said, I wish I hadn't even made these people. He was sorrowful himself. He said, I know their sorrows. He knows what it's like to be disappointed. He knows. Sometimes we forget that God has experienced all the things that we experience. He understands more than we know. You can't say to God, you don't understand. He absolutely does. He says, I know their sorrows. So I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. Most of the time, when it says God hears, then you'll see a promise of an outcome. You know, with the, 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 the mum and the boy, he said to Hagar and Ishmael, everything's going to be okay. I'm going to make something great of this young man. I'm going to make great nations out of him. And now he's saying, I'm going to bring you as a group. I'm going to bring you into the promised land. I'm going to be with you, regardless of what you're going through right now. And God is saying, I hear my people as a group. I hear my people. He hears when we pray as a local family. He hears when a local church comes together and worships him. He hears and it blesses him. Okay, let's go over to 2 Samuel. This is King David. David, he understood what it was like to be in distress. He was on the run from his mentor. I mean, his spiritual father, Saul, was trying to kill him. He's hiding out in the rocks. He's hiding out with all these outcasts. You know, he's been anointed to be the next king, and here he is, hiding out like a fugitive. And he says, In my distress, I called upon the Lord. I cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple, and my cry entered his ears. When you cry out to the Lord, do you ever imagine that your cry is going into his ears? No, when we're in distress, most of the time, we see our prayers hit the ceiling. We don't see beyond that usually. Or we see our words fall to the ground and we think God doesn't even hear. But in our distress, it says when we cry out to God, he hears from his temple so, so, so far away and yet our words have gone into his ears. That's how far our words travel. We just limit ourselves. We limit God so much because of what we feel, what we think, what we've been conditioned, what our default setting is. It's usually negative. A default setting is usually doubt, 
fear, unbelief and negativity. And we have to fight the good fight of faith to push back those limitations and blockages on a daily basis. Amen? Yes, brother. <laughs> so, our cry, his cry entered the ears of God. How did he know? Because God had heard and God had answered him before. God has heard you before. God has heard me before and he has answered. He's done it before and he'll do it again. Our cries do go into his ears. And this is what happened, remember? He said, he sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. You know, sometimes we've been taught, you be strong. Don't cry, boy, don't cry. You be strong. But there's times in our lives when we will feel weak and vulnerable, and in those times we need to really cry out to the Lord. There will be things that are too strong for us. There will always be things that are too strong for us in this world. And we need to cry out to the Lord. And He will hear. And He will deliver us. So whatever you're going through, it's too strong for you. It's too big for you. It's too hard for you. Cry out to the Lord. And your words will go into His ears. And He will hear. And He will deliver you. He's a good God, a good, good father. Okay, this is a story. You know, it's good to know these stories. You're sitting there going, what's she talking about? <laughs> it's good to know these stories. In First Kings, there's a story about um, a lady and her husband. They, they were very hospitable. They had no children. And she would set up this room for Elijah the prophet. And he would come through and visit Okay? And then one day he said, you've done so much for me, what can I do for you? And so she, he said, you're going to have a child. This time next year you're going to have a child. The child is born. The child begins to grow. And one day he's out in the field with his dad. And something happens. What is it? A brain aneurysm? Is it sunstroke? Something happens. And this little kid dies. He dies. And then the mum comes in, and of course everybody's upset. It's like, what is going on here? And so Elijah, she goes to get Elijah. And so he took, he took him, that's the child. He took him out of her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his own bed. It's very significant, probably the place where he prayed. That room is probably full of the presence of God. And then he cried out to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodge by killing her son? <laughs> Oops, this is Elijah, the great prophet, the mighty man of faith who's seen amazing things happen, miracle after miracle. He's seen the power of God flowing through his life, through his words and in his presence. And now... He's so disappointed, so distressed, like, what is going wrong? And then he begins to say, God, now you've killed this kid. What is going on? And you know, sometimes we do that. We, we blame God. We question God. And some people think you shouldn't do that. But we do it 
It's human nature. He kind of expects us to do it, actually. And it says that he stretched himself out on the child three times. I don't advise you to do this. It happened one time in the Bible. I guess he heard from the Lord to do it. Cried out to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, my God, I pray. Let this child's soul come back to him. So one minute he's saying, God, you killed him. And the next minute he's saying, God, I'm making it out. <laughs> okay. So he's gone suddenly from pointing the finger to God, lifting the hands. Okay, Lord, I pray this child's soul come back to him. And then, then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. Oh, does that mean that the Lord didn't hear Elijah complaining and blaming? Of course he heard it, but it kind of bounced off. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came back to him and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house, gave him to his mother, and Elijah said, See, your son lives. Like, see, no problem. <laughs> Don't know the drama that was going on in that room, okay? The, the God, why, why, why? And then, God, please, please, please. You know, that's what we're like sometimes. He hears us. Blaming him. God, why did you let that happen? Why is this happening? I don't understand. And then in the next breath, it's like, God, please, fix it. Fix it. Help. And he hears it all. And he loves us anyway. He hears it all. And he answered anyway. In his own wonderful way. So, you know, sometimes we feel guilty. Oh, you know, I'm guilty. We feel guilty. At complaining, we feel guilty about disappoint disappointments. We feel guilty about thinking negative thoughts and that. Mm. You know, we shouldn't feel guilt. Okay, we shouldn't feel it. We just need to move forward, get over it, repent if we need to, and get on with what God has for us. You know, the devil will put guilt and shame and condemnation on you for the rest of your life if he can, if he can. But we've got to just say no. And block those fiery darts with the shield of faith. Just block those fiery darts. Say, no, that's not who I am. No, that's not who he is. And move forward. Amen? God hears, God answers, and God breaks through. Then we've got another story about King Hezekiah. Okay, I'm just taking these as snippets. King Hezekiah. Isaiah the prophet comes and said, Brother... It's time to go home to heaven. You're going to die. Get everything in order. Get your household in order. Okay? Don't leave any loose ends. So the prophet delivers that message, turns and begins to walk out, and as he's going out into the outer court, he's just going out the door, and then God says, Oh, hang on a minute. Wait a minute. Go back. Go back. And this is what happens. I have heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. On the third day you should go, out, go up to the house of the Lord. And I will add to your days 15 years. So when he's saying, God's saying you're going to die, get ready. And the next minute the prophet comes back and he says this. God's heard your prayer. Wow, that must have been a real super fast prayer. 
That must have been a real powerful prayer. I don't know. What did he pray? Who knows? But it says he turned his face to the wall. The minute he got that bad news, he turned his face to the wall and he began to pray. What a prayer. If we would do that, sometimes we get bad news and we just think about it, think about it, think about it, think about it. But if we would just immediately turn our face to the wall and seek the Lord and pray, wham, look at the difference here. One minute it's curtains, the next minute I'm giving you another 15 years. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. I think there's a little clue in here that when Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and he didn't just pray for himself, God, I don't want to die. I don't think he said that. I think that he was saying something on behalf of the city. God, I feel like my job's not done. Lord, for this city, for these people, for your name's sake, for the sake of your servant David, Lord. That's what I think his prayer was, because that's kind of what the answer is there. God's basically saying, I'm going to give you 15 years, and in that time, you will deliver the city out of the hand of the Syrians. I will defend the city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. Sometimes we just have little selfish prayers, but it's bigger than us. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than me. It's the purposes of God. It's the name of the Lord. You know, we, we get stuck in this life sometimes and we forget the eternal perspective. We forget the call of God. We forget that one day we're going to stand before the Lord. We want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. What are we doing for God? We're doing a lot for ourselves, but what are we doing for God? What are we doing for others, for the sake of the Lord? Not for our own need or our own glory or satisfaction. What are we doing for the Lord? Okay. Second Chronicles chapter 7. This is where Solomon had been praying to the Lord. Now, what's the point I want to make here? It says, And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. So some of us, we find it easy to pray in the morning. But can we pray at night? In the watches of the night, are we willing to make that sacrifice? Sometimes it's that sacrificial prayer that will really reach the heart of God. And here, Solomon's prayer has been reached, has reached the heart of God. He said, he appeared to him at night and said, I've heard your prayer and I've chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. And then you've got the classic in verse 14 after that. So he said, because you have made a sacrifice, you have prayed and you have sought me, I will bless. And then in verse 14, there's that classic passage. If my people also will turn from their ways, will humble themselves and they will pray, I'll heal the whole land. So it's talking about humbling ourselves and praying and seeking the Lord. And he hears, he hears and the healing will come. The blockages will be gone. And one of the last, the last verse I'm going to talk about blockages 
In Daniel chapter 10, there's a classic passage there about Daniel having prayed to the Lord and yet the answer had not come. You know, we have prayed to the Lord too and sometimes our answers have not come. What's going on? What's going on? Okay? So the angel says, He said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. So Daniel's sitting around thinking, Wow, it's been 10 days since I prayed? Nothing. No answer. What is going on? What's going on? And in this particular case, it was spiritual warfare, okay? It was spiritual warfare. And there are things that block the answers to our prayers. But it doesn't mean that God hasn't heard. He said from the very first day, the very first day that you set your heart to pray, that you humbled yourself and you asked God, for his help, for his wisdom, for his direction. From the very first day that you pray, God hears. It doesn't mean the answer is going to come instantly. Sometimes there's blockages. Sometimes there's great spiritual battle going on, and that's the case here. There was spiritual blockages. Sometimes we block it ourselves. Sometimes we block answers to our own prayers because we are not walking right with the Lord. Maybe there's things going on that he is wanting us to adjust in our lives. Sometimes it's other people who are just in the way. And God is working behind the scenes. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26 to 28, that's what it says, when our weaknesses, we pray in the Spirit. God knows the heart of man and of his own heart. And he will work all things together for good for those who love God and called according to his purpose. So the thing is this. It's not that God hears or doesn't hear. That's a no-brainer. He hears. He hears. The point is, are we praying? The point is, are we positioning ourselves for him to answer? Huh? Lord, I just thank you right now for your awesome word. Lord, I thank you that you hear the cries of our heart. Lord, you hear our complaining. Lord, you hear our distress. Lord, we want to know how to hear you more. We want to believe that you actually hear us. And Lord, we want to be more disciplined or committed in our lives that we would pray each day. Like Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. Lord, you want us to pray every day. Every day. And every day you will hear and you will not go weary. And it will not be a bother to you. Some people think it's a bother to God. And Lord, you will answer. You'll answer in the way that you see fit. You will say yes. Or you will say no. Or you will say wait. 
not now. Lord, we may not always think that we know your will, but it is your will that we pray.